Brought to you by the WZIP sports team, this is Sports Power Talk Overtime. Featuring in-depth interviews. I didn't really plan to ask this, but since you brought it up, what's it like kind of having like your own meme? Like how does that make you feel? <laughs> Exclusive original content. He crosses paths with another best in the world. Oh, that gets you excited, don't it? Oh, that gets me excited. And of course, the hottest takes. My dad used to have this saying, if you don't like the series, you don't like football. Well, like... I say I'm a pretty big football fan, and I despise the <laughs> Okay, okay. <laughs> so get ready, because it's time for SPT Overtime. It is overtime for the best sports talk show there is, was, and ever will be. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Sports Power Talk Overtime. I'm Jake Murrin, and I'm joined by Alex Henry. What is up, everybody? You have read the title of this podcast. You know that Alex and I are on this podcast, which means only one thing. It's time to make predictions for an upcoming UFC pay-per-view, this time for UFC 278, Usman versus Edwards 2, going down in Salt Lake City. Alex, you ready, my man? Yes, sir. Well, before we get started, it's always nice to give our listeners an update on the standings. Once again, we tied in our predictions for UFC 277, so that puts you at 27-6 and six, and me at 24-9. and nine. Without further ado, though, let's get right into the action going down this Saturday in Utah by starting with the first fight on the main card at light heavyweight between Tyson Pedro and Harry Hunsucker. Pedro, the Australian native, fights out of city kickboxing. He is 8-3 with 63% of his wins coming via submission, but is 2-3 in his last five fights. For Hunsucker, the Painesville, USA native, is 7-5 with an average fight time of 2 minutes and 5 seconds. Alex, who do you like in this fight? Yeah, you look at a guy like Pedro, who's an overall good striker. You mentioned his kick striking, um, or kickboxing, sorry. And uh, he's an even better grappler. Uh, he also, he, you know, he likes to look for double legs, loves to get you on the ground, and loves to just carry on with the ground and pound. Then you look at a guy like Harry, um, who is a very powerful striker. He likes to march forward, throws with a lot of volume, and he's also pretty quick for the weight class as well. Uh, I know we kind of already mentioned this before the show, but I, I think the odds are pretty crazy. Um, and that's about Pedro being a negative 740 favorite. Um, Harry's coming off some knockouts to some tough opponents that, in my opinion, could probably knock anyone out. And Tyson has a win versus a scrub. So I, I do want Harry to win. However, I think Tyson will probably win. Uh, but if you want to go crazy, you could uh, you could pick Harry here. But... Like we've mentioned multiple times, if you are a betting person, bet that the fight's going to end by knockout because I think that is what will happen. All right, you're going Pedro by knockout? Is that yes. the pick? All right, so I'll start with Pedro. He doesn't throw a ton of output. He only lands 2.89 strikes per minute, but he doesn't get a hit a lot either. Pedro likes to mix up his game by grappling his opponents, and Hunsucker has a 0% takedown defense, but Tyson only has two takedowns. In the UFC. In his last fight, it was a first round KO win over Ike Villanueva. Tyson came back from a four year layoff back in April and showed off his hands when he is traditionally known as a grappler who can struggle to get his opponents to the ground but can wrap up submissions as well. For Hunsucker, you mentioned his record in the UFC. He is 0 2 via first round KO finishes 
as a heavyweight against Taito Ivasa and Justin Taffa, and now he intends to make the move down to 205. He lands close to four strikes per minute in the cage, but his defense is terrible as he absorbs 6.7 strikes a minute. He can be called a brawler in the octagon as he loves to charge forward, like you said too, at his opponents with a ton of strikes, but I think that's why he's been so susceptible to getting knocked out so far in his career. Mm. Ultimately, I don't understand the odds in this fight, like you said, and Hunsucker couldn't have been booked more poorly in his first two fights in the UFC at heavyweight. I'm curious to see what he looks like at light heavyweight here, and maybe his chin will hold up better, but I can see Tyson Pedro getting some takedowns while Hunsucker is charging in. I wouldn't be surprised to see Pedro win by KO here, as six of his seven fights have ended in a finish in the UFC, but I expect him to use his grappling, find a submission, and tap out Hunsucker in the first round, as all 12 of Harry's fights have ended in the first round. I expect a first-round finish to end the first fight of the night, and just like you, I'm going with Pedro to get it done. And that leads us to the second fight of the main card, a heavyweight clash between the number 11-ranked heavyweight Marcin Tibera taking on the 13-ranked heavyweight in the world. It's Alexander King Kong Romanov. Romanov is the minus 365 favorite here. Tabur, the Poland native, is 22-7 with 9 wins by KO, 6 wins by submission, and he'll look to take Romanov's coveted O as Romanov, the Moldovan, is 16-0 with 6 wins by KO and 9 by submission himself. Who do you like here at heavyweight? Yeah, you know, if you listen to the show often, you've heard me say it before, uh, I usually like to... You know, I like to break down guys based on their skills, what they're good at, uh, mixed martial arts-wise. The only exception is when I say a guy's got that dog in him. And I'll say that quite often about certain guys, and that's how I feel about Marcin. He has what I like to call that dog in him. He likes to come in and throw strikes. He likes to back you up against the cage. And he likes to look for takedowns, but it's usually like a trip. But he, he averages a takedown a fight. And only a 32% takedown accuracy, which kind of explains that a little better. Uh, then you look at a guy like Alexander, who's an excellent wrestler. Uh, on top of that, he has great power, even better speed for his weight class. Uh, he's coming off two really good wins. Uh, but Romanov hasn't fought anyone really crazy good in a while. Why uh, Marcin has had some pretty good wins. Uh, and Marcin's also won against people who have wrestled him. And... At the end of the day, I don't know. At the end of the day, I want to go Romanov here. I think the guy's a beast, and I, I really, I do really like Marcin, but Romanov's just a different kind of beast. Get off the tracks because the freight train's coming type of guy. So I'm going to go with Romanov here. Man, he talked up Tabura so much, and I was <laughs> so hoping you would pick Tabura here because I'm also going to go Romanov. But in terms of my breakdown i'll start with tabura his last fight was a unanimous decision loss to alexander volkov and really tabura is coming off one of his worst performances yet in that fight as he was real it was just a relatively boring fight overall and he was outstruck 85 to 73 he's been in the ufc since 2016 and has been a workhorse by having 15 fights in just six years mm. in the promotion he's fought the best of the best that the division has to offer he just hasn't been able to build enough momentum to break through into the top five in the division. 
For Romanov, he's great at landing strikes while not getting hit, as he lands 4.23 strikes per minute while only absorbing 1.35 in the same amount of time. But Romanov is a traditional wrestler who averages nearly 6.5 takedowns per 15 minutes of cage time, but Tabura has dealt with wrestlers like you mentioned and has an 83% takedown defense. Alexander has finished 5 of his 6 opponents in the UFC, and his last fight was a first round submission win over Chase Sherman in April. Romanov was able to simply ragdoll Sherman in that fight around the cage before getting an anaconda choke to win the fight just over two minutes into the first round. He's a southpaw fighter who comes forward with power in his hands and likes to get nasty and take down his opponents to submit or ground and pound them and get out of there back to the fighter hotel. Marcin Tabura has fought the best of the best in the UFC heavyweight division, like I said, and while I expect him to have the advantage and experience, I expect this to be Alexander Romanov's breakout fight. Of course, Romanov is already well known, but he hasn't defeated a guy with the likes of Tabura, and this is on a huge stage at UFC 278. Romanov excels at wrestling while still being a viable option on the feet, and I expect him to win by decision, as his wrestling will take a lot of time off the clock, but I don't think Tabura will give him the opportunity to ground and pound him out of there. I could easily see a submission here from Romanov, but the pick is ultimately by decision here for Romanov. Do you have a pick by decision, submission, KO for Romanov, or just going Romanov? You know, I don't, and I can really see him winning a lot of different ways, and that's how versatile he is. Uh, and versus a guy like Marcin, I don't, I don't know. I have no clue. I really don't have a pick, but I'm going to go Romanov. Yeah, absolutely. We're agreeing so far. Two fights in. Let's see if we disagree on this next one. In my opinion, this is the people's main event, or at least the fight I'm looking forward to most. I'm pretty sure you share that opinion as well. Mm -hmm. It happens at Bantamweight, the number three Bantamweight in the world. Jose Aldo taking on the number six Bantamweight in the world. Marab, the machine, Dwalish Willie. Aldo, the Brazilian, everybody should know this man. He's known as one of the greatest bantamweights of all time and is in many people's top lists of all time regardless of weight class as well. He holds an insane record of 31-7 and seven with 17 knockouts and 7 title defenses. For the Georgian Dwalish Willie, he's 14-4 and four on a 7-fight winning streak dating back to 2018. Aldo, Dwalish Willie, Alex, who do you got? Well, Jake, I just want to start off by, you know, saying that I've officially made the decision that Bantamweight is my favorite weight class in the UFC as of right now. What do you think about that? I mean, it's it's stacked. We just saw Cheeto and um, Cruz fight mm-hmm. in San Diego. That was a bonkers fight. There's so many fights, including Aldo Dwalish, really coming up. Of course, the title fight between Aljo and Dillashaw. There's so much going on. It, O'Malley, Jan. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much going on. So many top names. And I agree, Bantamweight is probably the best weight class in the UFC right now. Yeah, it's, it's on fire. It's so exciting. But um, back back to my breakdown. You know, talk about a guy who who moved weight classes. Like you said, he is, he is the best 145-pound fighter of all time in Jose Aldo. I mean, you watch this guy's fights, and he has some of the best Muay Thai you will ever see beautiful counter strikes technical bjj and wrestling but in my opinion what i think aldo's greatest strength is is his fighter iq the way he's able to find leg kicks perfectly time his counter strikes 
He is older, though. He, uh, he focuses more on his punches now uh, in his later career. He's on a three-fight win streak versus Cheeto Vera, Rob Font, Pedro Munoz, all very good fighters. Um, you can look at a guy like Marab. He, he has really good cardio. Uh, he loves to chain wrestle, averaging over seven takedowns a fight. Uh, and the best thing about him is he follows up his missed shots with other shots. And, and my, I love a good chain wrestler in UFC. Uh, just a guy who just keeps constantly looking for the takedown. Uh, his last loss was in 2018 versus Ricky Simone, where he was still able to get many takedowns. I, I don't know. What, what a matchup that the UFC has made here. You take a legendary striker with great takedown defense, but not the best gas in the tank in his later years, versus an excellent wrestler with great cardio and a questionable chin from what we've seen. Uh, the crazy thing is that Frankie Edgar is the only person in UFC history to take down Jose Aldo twice, and uh, in Edgar still lost the fight. Uh, I'm not saying that like Frankie Edgar is a crazy good wrestler, but um, it's just that Jose Aldo has never really lost to a wrestler before, and this is what he's going to have to deal with in this fight. So with all that being said, time does catch up to you, and... If Jose Aldo doesn't execute on his leg kicks, he's going to have to keep defending takedown, keep defending takedown after takedown. And I think if the fight goes to distance, which I do, I hate to make the pick, but I think Jose Aldo loses. Um, and I'm going to be cheering for him. I hope he proves me wrong. But I, I just I think that his cardio is not all there. And with such a good wrestler as a... And Marabit, I just don't see him winning. All right, so Dwalish Willie is the pick here? Dwalish Willie is the pick. All right, I'm going to touch on a lot of the same points as you did because all those points are really important for this fight. I'll start with Aldo. I already mentioned his insane record, but after getting knocked out by Piotr Jan in the fifth round of a July 2020 bout, he has gone on an insane run of decision victories over Marlon Chidovera, Pedro Munoz, and most recently, Rob Font. He's good everywhere, whether that be on offense or defense, has insane jiu-jitsu, and his counter-striking and leg kicks are just some of the best in all of MMA. Ford's Wallace Willie, you mentioned how he averages over seven takedowns per 15 minutes in the cage, but Aldo has excelled against wrestlers in the past and has a 90% takedown defense to prove it. Plus, Marab only has a 45% takedown offense, but he's relentless, has gotten better recently, and will go after them time and time again in a chain, which is easy when he sets them up with his hands. His last fight was that second round KO over Marlon Marais, where Dwalish really was rocked early, was able to recover, and then brought the fight to Marais by throwing 246 total strikes to end the first round and in the second round to finish the fight. Marab also holds a UFC bantamweight record, for the most takedowns and look both fighters have an average fight time of about 14 minutes so i expect this fight to go to a decision also aldo's last three wins all came by decision and 71 percent of marab's wins have come via decision as well in terms of who's going to win over the judges scorecards and leave salt lake city victorious i'm going with jose aldo because a wrestler has never beaten aldo in his entire career you you touched on this as well all his losses have come via strikers or guys that have great power 
and Frankie Edgar is the only fighter that has been able to take him down more than once in a fight that Aldo still won. Of course, Aldo is older and is fighting father time right now as well, and I could easily see Marab winning by decision too, but I can't get past the fact that a true wrestler, a true grappler, has never beaten the great Jose Aldo. So Aldo, by decision, is the pick, and we finally have a disagreement here. Yeah, we do. I just, it, it, I really want to pick Aldo because he's one of my favorite fighters of all time. You mentioned, you know, he's never lost to a wrestler. I would say he's never wrestled a good wrestler. You could say he's fought Conor McGregor, who he's lost to. Not a good wrestler. Max Holloway, not a good wrestler. Uh, Alexander Volkanovsky, not a good wrestler. Um, Piotr Jan, like you mentioned, not the not a heavy wrestler. I just in in the guys he has wins over, like you mentioned, Frankie Edgar is the closest thing to a true and pure wrestler he's ever wrestled. I just think later in his career, there's not much of a better wrestler in the UFC right now, very few than Marab. So I just think. If Like you said, if the fight goes the distance, I do see it going in Marab. But if Jose Aldo can keep it on his feet for the whole 15 minutes, like you said, he has a 90% takedown defense. Yep. I, I mean, it's very possible. I just – the cardio of Marab is so good and his chain wrestling so good that it worries me for Jose Aldo. Uh, so, yeah, I, I got to pick I gotta pick Marab. But. Yeah, this was easily the toughest pick for me on this card. I'm going to go with Aldo, and you mentioned how he's never really fought a traditional wrestler, but this man is 31-7 and seven in his career, has had a ton of fights under the Zufa banner, and there are wrestlers within his record, and he's never lost one. He's never lost to a pure wrestler, and of course, like you mentioned, he's fighting father time. He is up against everything right now. He's not the same Jose Aldo, but he is a killer right now as he's gotten decision victories over guys like Vera, Munoz, and Runt. So I got to go with Aldo just because he's never been beaten by a wrestler. And Marab, sure, he's one of the best wrestlers out there, especially in the bantamweight division right now. But I just got to go with Aldo. I just can't get past that fact. So Aldo wins. And, you know, like we were talking about earlier, bantamweight. What, what is this? What is What happens with Aldo if he wins? And same for Marab. What happens for Marab if he wins? It's so tough, man. <laughs> Bantamweight is such a tough division to predict right now. And if Aldo wins, I think Aldo and Marlon Chidovera both have a say in who gets that next title fight. Obviously, it depends who wins between Aljamain Sterling and TJ Dillashaw. But Aldo's head-to-head victory over Vera, I would think that Aldo would get the next title shot if he wins on Saturday night. What I would love to happen I think would be such a cool fight. I, I Like I said, I am cheering for Aldo. I want him to win. But if he lost, a fight to make would be Aldo versus Dominic Cruz. I think that would be such an entertaining fight to watch. Two high-level strikers fighting each other. And for me, it's really difficult, too. And you got you to gotta take into consideration uh, Piotr Jan and Sean O'Malley, where, you know, if... if I think if TJ Dillashaw wins versus Aljo then Piotr Jan might be next in line for TJ. But if Sean O'Malley wins, I see the UFC maybe making him fight some other guy. So maybe Morav has to go through uh, Cheeto, and same vice versa, Cheeto would have to go through Morav. But, yeah, it's very difficult looking at these rankings. It's like I don't even know. 
and we kind of got to wait to see what happens and what all plays out in this weight class, I think, as well. Yeah, it stinks because I think Cheeto Vera is deserving of a title shot right now. So do I. It, and if you're Marlon Cheeto Vera, you almost want to root against Jose Aldo right. on Saturday night because he has that head-to-head to, head to, head to win, excuse me. And if he drops in the rankings, Marab, I don't think if – unless it's in emphatic fashion. But like we saw on Saturday in San Diego, Cheeto Vera won in emphatic fashion. So if Dwalish Willie somehow goes out there, gets a 10-second knockout, maybe he's next for the title. But yeah. he's not going to get a title shot if Aljamain Sterling's a champion. They are from the same gym. They're best friends. That's not going to happen. Both men have said they're not going to fight each other. So if TJ Dillashaw wins that title fight, maybe that's a fight to make. And if Dillashaw wins a title fight, I agree with you that Piotr Jan would be fresh blood for that title shot if Jan gets past O'Malley. Right. So let's kind of play both sides. If Aljamain Sterling beats TJ Dillashaw, who's next for Sterling? I would say... If Aljo beats TJ Dillashaw, yeah. it's in between whoever wins this fight and Cheeto Vera. Well, I think it should be Cheeto Vera. If O'Malley beats Piotr Jan. O'Malley should get the title shot no really? matter what. Stump I think, over I Vera think, and... I, I don't think that's what the UFC will do, but if Sean O'Malley is able to prove that he can beat Piotr Jan, then why not give him a title shot? I think that he would be well-deserving of it. See... I think if Dwalish really beats Aldo, you put and somehow out there in an alternate universe, somehow uh, O'Malley beats Piotr Jan, then I would say put O'Malley against Dwalish Willie, mm-hmm. which I think is a stylistic nightmare for O'Malley. But I already think Piotr Jan's a stylistic nightmare for O'Malley too. I'd say make that fight, but I completely agree with you about Aljamain. If he retains, those are the guys he would fight against. But what if the other thing happens? What if Dillashaw dethrones Aljamain Sterling? Then how does this whole thing unravel? Yeah, well, you got it again. I think you give to O'Malley if he wins, and then Piotr Jan if he wins. But I really, I um, I don't know. It's just so difficult because I really think I'm much like you. I really think Cheeto Vera is ready for a title shot. The thing is, this weight class is just so stacked right now that if you think you are. Within the rankings, you're going to have to wait your turn. It's just kind of how I think uh, it plays out, which kind of stinks. But that's how the UFC works traditionally, and I think that's the most fair. Yeah, I think if Dillashaw wins and Piotr Jan beats O'Malley, Mm -hmm. I think Piotr Jan, like I said, is fresh blood for TJ Dillashaw in that title fight. And I still think Piotr Jan is one of the best bantamweights out there. So I think that Dillashaw-Jan would make a lot of sense. But we still have a lot of time between now and that bantamweight title fight. I wouldn't mind if they put on a solidified number one contender fight for the bantamweight title. That way, players in this division, like potentially Jose Aldo if he gets past Marab, or Marab if he gets past Jose Aldo. You know, you have Corey Sandhagen going up against Song Dong. You got to put him in this conversation as well. That's true. Obviously, Marlon Chido Vera. There's so many players in this division. O'Malley, if he somehow beats Piotr Jan, there's so many guys. I wouldn't mind if you just put them all together and get that number one contender. And whether that has to be a win by emphatic fashion or whatever happens, it, right now it's totally unclear to me who the number one contender is. There's so many guys. We'll just have to see what happens at Bantamweight. 
Yeah, the UFC should do a tournament, one night tournament, <laughs> like that one fighting movie. Whoever yeah. makes it out on top will be number one contender. Pull a Chris Jericho, I beat this guy and this guy <laughs> yeah. in the same night. All right, well, let's go back to the UFC 278 card and talk about the co-main events at middleweight, the number six ranked middleweight in the world, Paolo the Eraser Costa, the minus 315 favorite, taking on the Santa Cruz native Luke Rockhold Costa, the Brazilian, is 13-2 and two with 85% of his wins coming via KO. For Rockhold, he's the former middleweight champ and has a 16-5 and five record with half his wins recorded via submission. Who do you like in this one? Well, first off, I want to say that I think Costa has great physique. I think, like, out okay. of every dude in their weight class, if I could have the body of any UFC fighter, it'd be Paulo Costa. If he can make that weight class. That's yeah. true. Yeah. I just think he very well-built dude. And it, and it really goes to show because he has great power uh, in all of his throws. He, he has good volume striking. Uh, he also has really good cardio. Um, but his speed and high-paced striking is the thing to really look at. He averages seven significant strikes per minute, which is double the amount of literally everybody else in their weight class. He also has a 80% takedown defense as well. Um, which he might need to use because Luke is a wrestler at heart. But during his championship days and his just his last little run in the UFC, he was known for having really good kickboxing, training with really, really good kickboxers. Um, he uses his length really well. He lands good strikes. But dude hasn't fought in three years. And he's always kind of really, like, struggled with these injuries. And I just think that the UFC's throwing him to the dogs. I, I like Luke Rockhold. I think he's a good fighter, but I do not think he's going to win this fight versus Paula Costa at all. And it's really not my... F I think it'll be maybe an entertaining fight to watch, but I'm kind of not happy with the UFC for making this fight. Before I get into my breakdown, would you rather see Costa Rockhold or Aldo Dwalish Willie in the co-main? Aldo mm -hmm. and Dwalish Willie. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I completely agree with you. So talking about Costa, he lands a great number of strikes per minute at 6.85, but he's also prone to getting hit as he absorbs even more at 7.02. His last two fights were losses against top-tier guys in the middleweight division in champion Israel Adesanya and Marvin Vittori. That ended up being a light heavyweight bout because of Costa's weight issues. I think that's another thing to be concerned about here in this fight. Mm -hmm. He has that physique, like you said, Alex, like... You admire, but it, can he make middleweight? That's going to be a huge question surrounding this fight. But before that weight miss, he was 5-0 and in the UFC with four finishes, the latest one being two and a half minutes into a second round against Uriah Hall. For Rockhold, you touched on a lot of this already, but his last fight was a second round KO loss to Jan Blahovich. He has been knocked out in three of his last four fights, and the Blahovich fight was all the way back in July of 2019, so you have to be concerned about the three-year layoff as well. In this fight, though, he has a five-inch reach advantage over Costa, so Rockhold should look to establish a lengthy pocket with a good distance against him to where only Rockhold can go in and connect on the feet. Luke also has a better defense on the feet than Paulo, as Luke only absorbs 2.43 strikes per minute, in the cage neither fighter likes to take this fight to the ground and they both have great takedown defense as well 
Rockhold used to be known as a wrestler, but has fallen in love with striking and kickboxing, so I don't see him pursuing takedowns in this fight. In terms of the pick, Luke is 38 years old, and he's coming off of a three-year layoff when he's susceptible to getting knocked out recently. If this fight actually happens on Saturday night, and hopefully Costa will come in at 185, so it will, I think Paolo is going to go out there as normal, throw a ton of strikes, connect with a ton of strikes, and put Rockhold to sleep in the first round. I don't see any other way this fight happens. Maybe a later round knockout, but I think Rockhold gets knocked out in this fight. Yeah, I was um I I was listening to somebody's podcast, I forget who it was, but they were like, you know, why is Luke Rockhold fighting? And somebody's like, you know, obviously every fighter fights because they love fighting. If you're there, you have to love fighting. But I I wonder if it's the money. This this might be the only way that this guy gets a check right now. He might be living off of his UFC glory, and he might just be fighting to make some money. What, what do you think about that, Jake? Yeah, I kind of felt the same way about Nick Diaz returning mm-hmm. against Robbie Lawler. Yes. I was just hoping and praying for Diaz and saying, I hope he is back because he wants to and he has that fire, not because he needs to. And one of the lines that I hear from so many fighters is, you don't want the sport to retire you you want to retire from the sport. Yeah. And unfortunately, with some of these older guys who might have mismanaged their money, they might be waiting until the sport retires them, which in a combat sport like mixed martial arts, you never want to see that happen. And another thing with Rockhold himself, though, he's been very vocal and passionate about fighter pay. Mm -hmm. And if you're fighting that hard against fighter pay, maybe that is the problem here. Maybe he is just fighting for that check and not really fighting for i mean who knows he's not even ranked you know right is he really fighting and trying to go on that last ditch run like i feel like jose aldo and before saturday dominic cruz were on right in the late stages of their career i mean what's luke rockhold's end game here yeah. is he going for a middleweight title or is he just gonna fight one or two more times and hey let's get those checks yeah i mean i think he's looked really good in training from the videos i've seen and he's training like he wants to go on a run but I, I genuinely, even with that being said, like you mentioned, his you know complaints with fighter pay, I, I don't really think he is here to make a run. Uh, I think you know he would have been fighting if that was the case. I know I know the injuries and whatnot, but in the end, he would have been fighting either way. I think. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, he's been knocked out a lot coming off of a long layoff. Costa, he's a knockout fighter. I mean, it's really easy here for me to pick Costa by KO. Right. Let's go to the main event of UFC 278 at welterweight. The champ, Kamaru, the Nigerian nightmare, Usman, taking on the number two ranked Leon Rocky Edwards in a rematch for Usman. He's 20 and one unbeaten in the UFC on a 19 fight winning streak with four title defenses and is in many people's eyes, including UFC.com. The number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world for Edwards, hometown of Kingston, Jamaica. He's 19-3 and with one no contest and certainly deserving of a welterweight title opportunity with his nine-fight winning streak in the UFC dating back to his last loss, coincidentally against Kamaru Usman back in 2015. Usman, Edwards, two. Alex, give me a breakdown. Yeah, you know, I mentioned how Rockhold is a wrestler at heart, but 
but has really good striking, and Usman is the same exact way. He is a wrestler who doesn't really rely on his wrestling to win, but it's always there. He has good power in his hands, and the thing about Usman is he's always dangerous. Whether I might not like him personally, um, I don't deny that the fact that he is a great fighter. He's Why what, is that, by the way? I think he's cocky. <laughs> And I just, I don't know. But I just, you're a fan of Sean O'Malley, whose ego is 10 times the amount of Usman? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's fair. I can admit it, I guess, right? Yeah, you like who you like, man. But, but yeah, I'll admit, he's dangerous. He's went through multiple battles, and he's won them pretty much all. Um, Leon Edwards has really, really good striking. Um, he's got kind of got a mix of everything. You see... You know, just, like, fundamental boxing, Muay Thai with the kickboxing. He also averages a takedown a fight. And I think Leon Edwards is really, really good. I do. But Kamaru is really, really, really good. And I think he can win, and I think he's going to win however he wants to. Um, so I'm going to have to go with Usman here. All right, Usman is the pick here in the main event for Alex. And I'll start with Usman. While his striking has improved so much in the UFC... Usman still averages three takedowns per 15 minutes in the cage, and he has a ton of experience against southpaws like Edwards. What sticks out to me, though, is the level of competition that Usman has gone up against. Of course he's the champ, so he's going to fight the best of the best, but he's beaten prime RDA and Tyron Woodley, along with Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal twice. Mm. For Edwards... Edwards has great takedown defense at 70%, and I don't expect him to try to take Usman to the ground as the champ has never been taken down in the UFC. Edwards can hold his own on the feet, though, with great body kicks and boxing, and he likes to use his length to his advantage to fight long, and he's great in the clinch as well. Similar to what I said for the aldo dwalish Willie fight, both Usman and Edwards have long average fight times with both fighters averaging more than 15 minutes in the cage per fight, plus 10 of Leon's 19 wins have come via decision, and he's never lost by referee stoppage. So again, who's going to get their hand raised in Salt Lake City on Saturday night with a welterweight belt wrapped around their waist? I'm going with the champ, Kamaru Usman. I mentioned his strength of schedule, and if you look at Leon, I don't see the same as his last win was a decision win over Nate Diaz, he was currently unraked, and Diaz landed nearly 50 more strikes than Edwards in that fight. Usman had six takedowns and over 11 minutes of control time in his first win over Edwards, and I know that was all the way back in 2015, but that's still significant. Usman is fantastic everywhere, and I think he could win this fight anywhere he wants, just like you, Alex. But Kamar Usman is on track to becoming one of the best welterweights of all time, and I see him adding another win over Leon Edwards to his record to end UFC 278. So, Alex, we both are going Kamaru Usman here, but what does this do for the future of the welterweight division in the UFC? Yeah, I, I think, you know, like you mentioned, we think Usman's going to win. I, wanna re I really, 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 really want to give it to Hamzat, assuming he beats Diaz. Because I think out of everybody in welterweight, Hamzat is the one to beat Usman. However, and I've mentioned this before, I don't think a win versus Diaz for Chemaev 
is enough for him to prove that he gets a title shot. Dana White's mentioned if Hamzat wins, that's the title shot to make. Uh, you know, it's an instant title shot for Usman. Why? Why is a win versus Diaz an instant title shot? Yeah, he had a good fight against Gilbert Burns. Great fight against Gilbert Burns. But is that it, between that and Diaz, is that enough to prove that he is willing when you look at a guy like, you know, Kobe Covington, who, yes, has lost to Usman twice, but he still has really impressive wins, especially his last win over Jorge Masvidal, and he's number one contender right now. So I, I mean, maybe even if Edwards loses, Hamzat fights him. I don't know, but I just, I don't want to give, I want to give the title shot to Hamzat, but I don't think he deserves it. But if it's not Hamzat, then I don't know who it is because I don't think that Colby Covington necessarily just deserves to step up now. So if it was me, I would make the Hamzat versus Colby Covington fight, but it looks like that's not going to happen. You know, Colby Covington is obviously so talented and seems like the next best guy in the welterweight division. In all these divisions, you almost have like that next best guy who just can't get over the hump. Alexander Volkanovsky, for example, he's the champion at featherweight but Max Holloway has not been able to get over that Volkanovsky mountain. Mm-hmm. If you look at welterweight, same thing with Covington and Usman. If you look at middleweight, same thing with Whitaker and Adesanya. Colby Covington just seems like that guy, but what sticks out to me about Covington is he hasn't fought anybody in the top five or beaten anybody in the top five. So I think Covington needs at least one or two wins to even be talked about as a potential fight and I agree. or a potential trilogy against Kamar Usman. That's not in a fight I'm interested in. And some people see a controversy in that second fight between Usman and Covington. I didn't. I think Usman won that very clearly. But I agree with you. Hamzat Shemaev is next in line. And I used to agree with you by saying, I don't think a win over Nathan Diaz does enough for him to get that title shot. But it's 2022, man. And it seems like Nate Diaz is the gatekeeper for Kamaru Usman, which makes no sense to me, but that's how it is. Leon Edwards, his last fight was a decision win over Nathan Diaz. Leon Edwards' next fight is a title fight against Kamaru Usman. If Usman gets past Edwards, which we both think will happen, and then Hamzat Shemaev goes on to beat Nathan Diaz, then you put Hamzat Shemaev against Kamaru Usman. I just think that's how they're going to run it. And if Nate Diaz is that gatekeeper fighter now, so be it. He's going to be on his way out of the UFC after fighting Shemaev anyways. And like you said at welterweight, I think Hamzat Shemaev is the only fighter right now at welterweight that I could see beating Kamar Usman. I don't see another fighter doing that. Leon Edwards, he's talented, but I just think Usman is on another level than him. Mm-hmm. Colby Covington, we mentioned it. He's going to be a far way out. Then you have Shemaev at number three. Gilbert Burns is at number four, coming off of a fighter of the year candidate against Hamzat Shemaev, but Burns, he needs some more tune-up fights as well. He kind of didn't show up against Usman in that title fight that he had, and Burns, potentially he goes up against a Blau Muhammad. I know Jeff Neal called out Burns. Burns has been wanting to get that Masvidal fight, though. All these guys are players, but right now, all eyes are on Hamzat Shemaev for that welterweight title. And I think that is the fight to make because I think it's just the most entertaining to all of us. Yeah, I mean, I see your point. I I still don't think he would be deserving, but you're right in saying that Diaz is kind of the gatekeeper, and that's how the UFC looks at it. 
unfortunately, I can't work for the UFC and, you know, have my input in what I think they should do. But, I mean, you're right. The UFC throws away or kind of throws title shots to anybody who's kind of an exciting up-and-comer. And that's kind of what they're doing with Chimaev. I mean, think about Yuri Prohaska, the light heavyweight champ. Correct. He was two, I think, two and zero in the UFC before getting that title fight against Glover Teixeira, mm-hmm. and he's the champ now. Hundred percent, and that's just how they do it. And doesn't mean I like it, but um, that's how they do it. So I, that's probably what will happen. Yeah. So Alex, you're Dana White. You don't think Kamzat Shemaev is deserving? Kamara Usman goes out there Saturday night and beats Leon Edwards. Who does he get next then? I think he either gets, I think he gets Kobe Covington. That's, really? That's who I'd like to see because I think, I actually, I do think Kobe Covington, this is a hot take. I think Kobe Covington's a better wrestler than Kamaru Usman. And I think that that would be a really good matchup between Hamza and Kobe Covington with that opinion being said. Uh, and I think if Hamza can beat a guy like Kobe Covington, then he 100% should be okay. able to get a title shot. Okay, I misinterpreted you at first. I thought you were saying he was next for Usman, it would be Covington. But what you're no. saying is do a number one title contender fight between Covington and Shamaya. And then yeah, and then okay. even if Covington won that fight, I don't necessarily know if I want to give him the number one title contender either. It would just kinda of have to depend on how he won that fight, I Man. guess. I think he would almost have to. I mean I I just said like a minute ago that mm-hmm. I think Covington needs two, maybe three tune-up fights to even be in contention to get that trilogy fight against Usman. But if you beat Hamzat Shemaev, I mean, Hamzat Shemaev is, if you're making a pound-for-pound list of guys that don't hold a title right now, Hamzat Shemaev might be number one. Yeah. So if Colby Covington beats Hamzat Shemaev, I almost think that Covington would deserve that trilogy fight. Yeah, maybe. The the only thing that holds me back is that he's lost twice to Usman. Right. Um, but yeah, I agree. And maybe that's something the UFC is looking to avoid by, Hey, let's not book that fight. Let's not even think about that as a possibility. Mm-hmm. It's right there on the table for us. Shamaya beat Diaz, Usman beat Edwards. Those are the guys fireworks fight. Everybody wants it. Everybody wants to see if Hamzat can beat the number one pound for pound fighter in the UFC right now. Kamar Usman make it happen. Right, and that, that's probably what they're going to do. Do you think Usman is the number one pound-for-pound? Pound? No. Volkanovski? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think Volkanovski is the fighter of the year because of Usman's hand injury, mm-hmm. and he hasn't been as active. And we'll have our awards prediction show probably around December, January, and I think we're probably going to go with Volkanovski as the fighter of the year. Yeah, but, and I would say if, if Charles beats Islam, I'd probably put Charles above maybe Usman too. And would you put Charles over Volkanovski? No. Hmm. Man, no love for Kamar Usman, huh? I mean, no. (laughs) No. (laughs) No love for the Nigerian nightmare Kamar Usman. We'll see what happens on Saturday night, but that will do it for us, the UFC crew from WZIP Sports. I hope you enjoyed our show today as the UFC prepares for a huge event in Salt Lake City, Utah. I think the three fights on this card, the top three fights on this card, simply aren't worth missing. And we will have to wait until Saturday night to see which athletes get their hand raised. We'll see you in short order for UFC 279. Plus, there is a sneaky good card in Paris that the promotion is putting on between these numbered cards as well. Until then, and joining me was... Alex Henry. And I'm Jake Murren. Enjoy the fights, everyone. And we'll see you next time.